This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do you or do you not have a tattoo on your bottom that says Jesus is coming? Look busy. Play it. Play the tape off. Play it. <laughs> that guy who broke into the the queen's house with a crossbow he had a crossbow i didn't know that i mean like crossbow aside it's quite funny that because he's been done for treason i'm like you can be done for treason it's like really posh breaking and entering yes you know the fact that it's still treason like you are you are you know committing to trying to overthrow the monarchy it's like is he organized well he had he was armed that does make it sound like you thought about that's, it. That's a bit treasonous, isn't it? It's yeah. not like you walked on with a couple of sandwiches and was just like, can I have a picnic here? I, I just picture a, a king in a throne with like his hand over mm. like a big skull. Like, mm. it is treason there. Like, that's all I... All I can, here! I, yeah, I just go to like Tywin Lannister Game of Thrones. Yes. Like treason. I can't... Yeah. I can't... There's no modern treason for me. It's like something Jacob Rees-Mogg would say. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, to simply entertain it would be treasonous. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean... Um, Reminds me of like the Robin Hood, the cartoon one with the uh, the lion, you know, yes. sucking his thumb. I haven't seen that. Is that the best Robin Hood adaption ever? Adaptation. Uh, adaptation. I don't know. Um, well, okay. That, Name a better Robin Hood. Well, I haven't really, I, I haven't seen Kevin Costner's King of Thieves. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Prince of Thieves? Spot. King of Thieves? Prince of Thieves. Prince of Thieves. He gets King in the sequel. <laughs> um, then there's Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Yeah, that was a real snorefest. And then there was Robin Hood with Taron Egerton, which, which got slipped out like between Christmas and New Year. Or it no, like no, happened. even later, I think like January first, or like just it was the film that no one went to see. They slipped out at yeah. that time, and that and that's it for Robin Hood. So I think Disney's Robin Hood with the animals is the best. I could safely say it's the best Robin Hood. And then the the Falcons at the I oh know I'm thinking of Jungle Book. That's the Raven, and they're not Falcons; they're the Vultures. Vultures. Where are you going? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Where are you yeah. going? Just loosely. Oh, based. don't start that again. Yeah, yeah loosely, loosely trying to be the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're a bit more Cockney in the. Well, in what, the what do you want to do now? Uh, what do you yeah, want to do? Now? Oh, don't start no, that don't again. Don't start it. <laughs> not in the John Favreau remake, which is a shame. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know why they got cut. I like that one. We talked about that before. I like that John Favreau. This one. is like old Disney, where they would use the same animations for like all the films. Have you seen those? No, really? There's loads of uh, side-by-side where they've got, like, the oh, way... it's the same sort of movement. So, then, like, yeah. Bagheera the bear is the same as, like, the Aristocat is the same as... Just yeah. all the really old ones have... Because it costs Bagheera's a lot of money. is not the bear. The Bagheera's the jaguar. Yeah. Baloo, the Baloo's bear. Baloo's the bear. Whatever. That, no, that kind of thing. Get your yeah, lore, thank right? You. Get your thank literature, you. right? <laughs> 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 not playing my jungle book. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the Women's Euros? I did, and I really enjoyed Fantastic, it. Fantastic, right? There is... I realised when I watched the England women's football team win the European Championship <laughs> that there is a part... I'm just contextualising. Yeah, yeah. I've just realised that there's a... I'm now that age and that type of British man. I didn't think I was. Yeah. And whenever I hear the song Three Lions, I get a bit emotional. 
So, it's just so important to it, me. It was, it was an emotional moment. And then they started to play it and I was like, oh my God. I think I feel a little bit it's, stirred. It's so easy when you watch news. Be like, oh, nationalism is a lie. Yeah. It's an artificial thing used to, to promote an idea of it. And then you watch a bit of football and God yeah. damn it, it gets you. It just comes in with that, we still believe. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I, I am that man. I'm that man who just goes, oh, don't make you proud to be British. <laughs> English. Oh, yeah. Make a team. Um, yeah, I, I, you know how everyone's like, oh my God, women's football, it's finally broken through. It's so big mm-hmm. now. And I'm like, like yes, 100%. But the only reason I think that's happened is because I feel like it's the, this is the first time it's been marketed to us and exposed to us properly. Well, I feel like usually you just, yes, which is great. But I'm like, it's just because no one's actually bothered to put it on the TV in the well, same think, way it has, or it has the trying. coverage that it's had. Yeah, but I think it helps that it was England doing well in England, right? Uh, I think that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's why. But uh, like, you know, for example, I, on, on TV, I was like, it was Dorito sponsoring uh, the Euros in England. And I'm like, and it had uh, the you, female you players mean, You mean it. like there seems to be this time a concerted effort to be like, we are going to go big on Marketing push, Euros. exposure. Do you yeah. know what it is? is that I think they saw, I think they recognised that there was a great team and they saw how much... Uh, People whipped them up as into a frenzy last year with the men's Euro. Like they were just like, money. That's my money again. That's <laughs> yeah. the cynical part of it. I, I'd love for them yeah. to be like, oh, it's because we support women's sport. It's like, yeah, well, we do. But so I, I, it's not, is it? It's just because it's the dollar pound signs. signs. Yeah, pound signs, yeah. Or whatever. And then uh, Euro signs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, what reserve currency? And they're like, wait, if we time this right, we could get the Euro cash now. Did we and hear then from the Doritos? And then the Qatar World Cup begins in November. Yeah. And what do we know about the Premier League? And then it's just that Mitchell and Webb's goes like, football with endless combinations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is great news. I, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed watching it. And um, just just a better energy, actually. Oh, I, yeah. think, I think it, I'm glad they won because I, I feel like saying to the, the men's team, like, yes, you should have done that last yeah. year. And I looked at the crowd, which was way more, uh, way more way more women in the crowd, way more kids, just more of a family oriented yeah. crowd. And I'm like, nice, a nicer crowd. Regardless of if we win Politer. or lose, I don't feel like this lot are going to go and trash the capital city. Afterwards, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. be violent. Yeah. T- take the pants off. Like, like all, all the violence that happened last year before the final. Completely like, ruined an amazing World Cup. I'm like, yeah, these Euros, people will yeah. be really, Euros. these people will go home and have a couple of drinks to yeah. celebrate. No, they <laughs> clapped. A lot of people clapped, you know, yeah. when, when, they, yeah. when the goal was scored. That's what I like. So, Good, good on that. I love that. Maybe you want to go watch Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, yeah. Does that hold up? I don't know. I need to, I need to rewatch it. That's 20 years old. I remember you finding that really funny. Yeah. We still say in my family, laters, because it came from that. I know that sounds like, later. Later. oh, oh should we say laters in yeah. the family? But like, it's because that's the first time we heard it being said. Kira like, Knightley, laters. Jonathan Rhys Myers. Yeah, God. I can't yeah. remember who the main is in that. I don't remember her name. Pamindanagra. Right. Yeah. Is Beckham in that film? No, but there's a bit at the end where they go, when they're at the airport, and they go, it's Posh and Bex. And a guy with a very, very, very David Beckham haircut from about 2002. So I'm talking spiky, wow. bleach blonde highlights, walks past. And they're like, oh my God. I'm like, it's not David Beckham. What year was that? Did that film come out? 2002. So yeah, I guess Beckham was busy. He was, that was the pe- yeah. peak of his he's, fame. He's pretty much playing football. Yeah, yeah. That would be busy doing that. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was married to... to Whereas you feel like, you know, almost, if, he, if it was a little bit later, he almost would have gone, yeah, I'll do a scene. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like he did. I never saw it. Did you see that King Arthur film? He's in that. Yes, I did see that. And he does the camera. He got act, acting coaching for weeks to well, do to it. Do that one line. Or <laughs> and it's, it's the most distracting. It's surprising we never talked about that cameo, but it's it's a really distracting cameo. I think. Yeah, well, and he tried to sort of ugly him up for Guy yeah, Ritchie's verse, and he's got like a scarred eye. And that's a forgotten film. 
Yeah. We could do a whole other thing about forgotten films. That's a forgotten yeah, film. Yeah, with um, what's Charlie, Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. I like Charlie Hunnam. 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 Charlie Hunnam. Yes. He's not... He's in stuff. He he's, he turns up in things. Did you watch The Gentleman, the other guy Richie film with Hugh Grant doing a voice? <sighs> yeah, I did. He how did. is he in that? And how is The Gentleman? He's fine. I tell you what, I get pushed clips of The Gentleman all the time. There's one clip. There are films which oh just, my God. despite their very like obvious lack of success in like pop culture box office critically, yeah. the, the, the clip verse just decides that you will see a clip of this film. Isn't that a thing? And I'm like, is this, is this actually a film like really popular then? I mean, amongst the, it's like, like there's a bits in the gentleman. There's a bit with Charlie Hunnam where like, he like chases down some guys in like South London. I've London's, seen this clip. Yeah, yeah. And he like pulls out a gun, which apparently he's been hiding under his coat the whole time. And everyone's like, oh my God, this clip is sick. And I'm like, it's stupid. I've seen this clip in the film. It's stupid. Yeah. That film, that, you know what I was surprised by the gentleman though is that it was kind of rubbish by the end. Yeah. But it, it surprised me how long it took to get rubbish. <laughs> I surprised myself at how much I was into it before I went, oh yeah, this is rubbish. You're like, maybe this is... And then... Uh, yeah, uh, I'd, say yeah. Good, I'd say just about over 50% of it. And then I went, okay. oh, this is silly. This is a bit silly. And then that that like stuff like that happens. Mm. And it's like, uh, you know. I heard Hugh Grant is has been cast to play Prince Andrew in a Ooh, biopic. I love that. About I love Ad- about the interview that took Prince Andrew down. Well, that you, I mean, you don't even need to restage it because it's it's, it's 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 perfect. Pure cinematic gold on <laughs> its, its own. I, I saw Props an amazing amazing that. TikTok where we had our heat wave and it was like forty degrees, it, and yeah, it was like, it. look, I know it's hot, but we've all got to be feeling for Prince Andrew today. <laughs> Trying not to break. Yeah, it's 40, sweat. 40 degrees, yeah. and he said he couldn't sweat, <laughs> dripping like an egg sandwich. Yeah. Um, I love the Hugh Grant renaissance, you know, the, the Hugh Grant. Oh, did you see a uh, very British scandal? You loved it. So loved good. It. You know what was great about that? I had to watch it for my job. Really? And it was like, the be- yeah, I was, I was doing a, a research chat with Neil from The Inbetweeners, who was <laughs> in it for like a scene yes. yeah, yeah, the second yeah. half. And Blake he was Harrison. promoting it. So I got to see it. Like I got sent an advanced copy and I was like, oh, this is so good. I was like sitting at my desk watching this. Like really, usually you get sent mm. shit to watch. Like, I had to watch a bunch of Poldark or like Corey. Right. This, I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, that's a proper good. I like going into work, be like, I get to watch yeah. TV this morning. How exciting. And people were like, Hugh Grant. Okay, bring it on. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Anyway. Good on the lionesses. Yeah. I really appreciate this. Oh, it, it cools you down. I've realised this. It actually, like, it, you know what it does? It shoots straight to the back of your mouth and it just covers. I feel the like palate. one of those hamsters. You know when you get the thing in the, the corner of the cage? Like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> whatever um, gets you. Whatever people are going to be listening going. to this and be like, what the hell is that? It was a metal straw and not some ice water because we're in the midst of a Buying metal massive straws. heat wave here and it's incredibly oh, yeah. muggy and sweaty. I'm really like just kind of... Schwitzing. Yeah. Uh, buying metal straws is one of those things I think improves my life every day. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, every time I put one in like my, my morning co- iced coffee or like a cold drink, it gives me like just 5% of more joy than it would yeah. if I didn't have it. I, I think that cumulatively makes me happy. I feel like that way about salted butter. Oh. You know, when you like spread it and, and people give you butter, you're like, oh, butter's nice. And then when yeah. you find out it's salted, oh, sea salted, and you're like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I am a god. I'm a fucking god. Have you god. ever um, roasted garlic? 
and yes. food content. Have you ever roasted garlic and then mixed it into some like peppery bl- peppery butter? No. Should oh, I? you've not. Oh yeah, and then I, you put I it back in the fridge. Ever. Yeah, get some like crunchy salt. Should have made that roast. When we did get food. like a whole bowl of garlic. <laughs> yeah, just some butter. That would be good though. Like just butter, a whole bowl of garlic, wrap it in foil, throw it in the oven, and then just like squeeze it out <laughs> of its bulb. Do you remember the the advert in Anchorman Two where they all get successful and they do their own adverts and like Brian Fantana does an advert yeah. for pants and Brick does an advert for butter and it's just a close up shot of a slab of butter and him coming in really close and like biting the slab of butter and he's just going yeah. butter <laughs> anyway so James you and I have spoken a lot in our recent episodes about films we've seen looking back delving into like the archives in our brain to be like oh that was a film with a really good scene mm-hmm. that was a film with a great ending good opening etc etc when we first started this podcast way back last year one of the first episodes we did was greatest movie blind spots, like yep. films that, what are the greatest films that we've never seen, right? Mm-hmm. And we ran through some, and in, in that time, we've actually covered them so off. So many. we mentioned something with like, for me, it was The Exorcist. We went and watched that. Yep. Top Gun, neither of us have seen. That. We went and watched that. Rocky. Rocky, I still haven't seen. Nope. Uh, what other, I think yours I was Dirty Dancing. With Dirty Dancing and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. I hadn't seen that, but yes. I've seen the Freddie Highmore, Johnny Depp 2005 yes. version. Yes. But yeah, I really I need to, yeah. yeah. Um, so we probably need to keep working through, but we thought we would do that I again. when I get a date right, you're like, oh, well, remember. Yeah, remember. <laughs> you didn't have to jump in it's and be like, me. 2005. <laughs> but look, there are more of you listening now than there yes. were last year and what we were going to do is do some more of that just mm-hmm. to go through a couple of other big names films that we haven't seen that we need to and we need to talk about why we haven't seen them and, what, and why we need to see them and in so doing i want to hear from you guys i want to hear you to say yes. oh we've seen that george you've got to see that and james you've got to do this mm. or don't bother whether it was rubbish or you know what's a film that sat on your blind spot list for for years so and we've, t- I think, like in the course of the podcast, there's been a few films where we've been like, oh my God, I need to see that. Or I haven't seen that yet. Exactly. So we're going to do this a bit like we did last year. Mm-hmm. We're going to count down from three, two, one, go. And then we're going to, on, on three, two, one, and we're going to say the film that we haven't seen, right? Okay. Okay. And then we're going to take gonna, it. Who, okay. But who's going to, we'll just decide who we'll goes first. We'll just decide. Okay. Because I wonder if it's the same, same one. I don't think they are. I've, I've got, I feel like mine are fairly. Here's also what I realized is aside from those massive ones we mentioned last time yeah. is that I've seen a lot of films. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like lot I, I, I was going through just double checking the IMDb top 20, um, top 250 to make yeah. sure. And I was like, yep, I've seen most of these. I, I'm, I have a note on my phone of just like when there's a film I really need to have seen it's on there and then when I go on holiday or I have spare time I'm like let's consult my note of amazing films yes. that I should have seen by now and I, I have that collated ready for such an occasion I have the same thing with uh, directors there are uh, directors whose entire body of work I've never seen one I've film. got one yeah, so one of mine is, is a director who I feel like I've completely neglected and I want this film to be my gateway into their work but I will get into it when I get All into right. it alright okay so here we go then round one okay we're going to go three, two, one, and then say the film. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Three, three, two, one, two, one done. The film. Okay. okay. Right. Ready? Film blind spots. Okay. Films we all right. haven't seen, but have been sat around on all the watch this for sat ages. Around. Here we go. Ready? Three, three two, two, one. Akira. Seven Samurai. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, so similar. I, I haven't seen Seven Samurai at all. Should Can I go first? Yeah, go for that. So as I said, was it Akira Kurosawa? Because yeah, you could be confused with Akira. The film I mentioned was called Akira. Akira Kurosawa is a director whose work I feel like I've completely missed like, exactly. i think it's, it's such a tragedy and obviously he's got other great films like rashomon ran yojimbo ikuru yeah. so, so many others which i'd really love to see um seven samurai came out in 1959 
And it is basically about these, uh, this village which is being raided by bandits and they employ the help of seven samurai mm. to essentially help protect them and they train them how to fight. Mm. I wish I could tell you more about the plot, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> but they train them how to fight for when the bandits yeah. next come. And um, I didn't realize, but so the plot of Seven Samurai is one of the first films to utilize that, like we assemble everyone for the fight at the end kind of films, oh, yeah. which, is the plot, which is the plot of A Bug's Life. Oh, really? It's the set, a, oh, a Bug's wow. Life is basically Seven Samurai, but oh, A Bug's okay. Life. I'm, kind of yeah. getting, I'm putting a team together to help me yes. find off the, the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. so Akira Kurosawa is a filmmaker who I feel like I just know the style of so mm. well, which yeah. obviously I haven't seen his films, but I feel like I know why that filmmaker is special. And I just, in briefly five minutes today, I did some Googling about some of his techniques and why what he's done has been really special. And he really hates to get in the way of an actor's performance. Mm. And one of the ways in which he does that is he will shoot his scenes really far away mm. with very long lenses because he doesn't want to have a camera in someone's face. But what that creates is a really distinct look and feel and a sort of perspective, which mm. everyone who's seen the Akira Kurosawa film, which isn't me, knows <laughs> yeah, his fights and the fight scenes and the dramatic tension and the, the, the shots and the build-up mm. is all cultivated from that style and the way in which he likes to shoot. And I'm just desperate to see Seven Samurai and then hopefully get addicted to Akira Kurosawa. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, you know, uh, you haven't mentioned that obviously Seven Samurai was then uh, The Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven, which, yeah, yeah there's, the, there's an American adaption, which is, uh, it was a Western, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the, the most famous Westerns, yeah. James. Is it a Western? No, yeah. it's a documentary, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sadly either, neither have seen any Akira Kurosawa films. For me, actually, the number one I want to see is Ran. Yeah. The only thing that puts me off is it's like three and a half hours long, but it looks spectacular. That's, you know, that's based on King, based off King Lear, I think that was. Right. Yeah. Okay. And it looks fantastic. And everyone is, oh, Ran, Ran is amazing. I'm like, yeah. yes, I know. There are amazing films that look amazing. So yes. I'm like, I should really just see <laughs> the amazing, that I hear is amazing and everyone yeah. says it's amazing. So I'm like, what am I doing? I need to, I need to jump in. And that's good. I mean, summer. and also you're right. Like, it's very like filmy. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a level of like film knowledge you reach and you're like i need to now cross over and like tick off like i did yeah. um uh, in lockdown i was like i've never seen a john cassavetti's film have right you okay. seen john cassavetti's film so, no. exactly so i was like okay i'm gonna go watch it's a point more obvious like when we do this podcast i was like god we should really know our <laughs> stuff <laughs> we should really fill in our yeah. blanks but that's why we do this because no one can cover everything right i'm not gonna lie we're not gonna lie <laughs> no. but yeah yeah kurosawa loved oh, his oh yeah loved his work on kuro seven Samurai. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so I mentioned Akira. Uh, Akira yeah. Have you seen Akira? No, but again, you know, it's... Yeah. So Akira is an uh, anime from 1988, right? Very iconic, very famous. Mm. It's got this very distinctive poster of a guy in red, this motorcyclist, um, walking down a pavement, and also this shot of him, like, turning on a red bike, this iconic red bike. And for years, I would just see that around in pop culture. And people would always like, oh, Akira, the Matrix owes a huge debt to Akira. Akira mm. owes a huge debt to Blade Runner. And Blade Runner owes a huge debt to 1984. <laughs> and um, it gets mentioned, like I said, in that context. And I'd never seen it. And, you know, 30 plus years later, um, I want to I want to tick off this very famous sort of watershed film that seems to be uh, everywhere the, the plot just so i can describe mm. it for people because i know the plot neither do i that's the thing. i was like <laughs> this, this this akira just to say it, it, this is the film that has sat on my watch list the longest yeah okay if i, I have a whole thing on letterbox and i go down there it used to be wally oh and then i watched it oh yeah and then it, then akira has just said that and I, it's even on netflix what is holding me back you should I, yeah you should really do it i should really like pull my finger out anyway so akira the story of akira is 
I hear that Akira is uh, being has been traded about studios for a reboot for a long time. There was a rumor that Christopher Nolan was going to do an Akira reboot, but that never happened. I think he didn't want to do a sort of you know take an existing IP like Batman and reboot it because he'd already done that with Akira. I think he's enjoying he's enjoying his war stuff right now. Good on him. I agree. Also, let it be. Let it be its own. Yeah, yeah. So, Japanese animated cyberpunk action film from 1988, directed by Katsuhiro. Excuse me. Directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. Yep. Um, and it's based on a manga of the same name. So set in a dystopian 2019. <laughs> Do you remember the glory days of 2019? <laughs> uh, it tells the story of a leader of a biker gang whose childhood friend acquires incredible te- telekinetic abilities after a motorcycle accident, um, threatening an entire military complex amid chaos and rebellion in the sprawling future metropolis of Neo-Tokyo. Ooh. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, and also I think the runtime is a delight for... Oh, no. It's, it's, it's 124 minutes. Anyway, iconic. Sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. And I've seen it around. And I've just, even Googling there just to get the, the synopsis, it's showing at the Prince Charles in a few weeks. So I should really try oh, and go yeah. see it. Do it. Um, I, have, right. I have nothing more else really to say like other than- The Matrix and Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> but cooler. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sold. sold. Yeah. Um, and as some emails have put out recently, you know, asking us about animations, like I, I do think it's a, a, a blind spot. I want to break out of, you know, the Pixar kind of yes. Western field. And I can't remember. Did you like Wally? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wally's great. Yeah. great. Like good, Wally's, good, but that's got like deep philosophical it's got layers no words. about. It kind of does, but yeah. But it, no, no, it there's loads I of know, words. Everyone's like, oh, it's like there's no talking for like the first half, the first like, yeah. half. But it's fine. But it, but the, the whole thing about like humans have just like become these like fat, mm. useless pigs that uh, have like totally destroyed the earth. And yeah. I was like, this is great. This is a kids' film. Oh, I love yeah. that. Um, like corporate takeover of everything. Good and stuff. The, the uh, Space Odyssey reference. Yeah, like yeah just yeah, on yeah. the nose yeah, with the, the red dot. Yeah, just like, we're just <laughs> gonna do it. We're just yeah, gonna do it. Okay, brilliant. Right, quick fire. Then let's do another one, right, shall we? Let's do another one. Right. Yeah. Ready. Yep. Round two. Three, two, one. The cabaret. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Ah. Yeah. Okay, cabaret. Okay. I've seen. I've, I, you go. Go for cabaret. Well, okay. So I mentioned Cabaret, which is 50 years old this year. You've seen it? Yes, I have, but not for a long time. And then I've seen seen a play. I've seen Cabaret as a play twice in very amateur context. It was put put on at my school when I was about 10. (laughs) And then it was put on at my university as well. Oh, Um, yeah. yeah. Did Did you come see it? No, I don't think I did. Was it Smuts in second year? No, I think actually this is this is my third year. Oh, so I wouldn't have been there. So yeah, I'd seen it in these amateur contexts, but I was like, I've never actually seen the full thing. And the reason I wanted to catch up on it um, is because during lockdown, I watched a really great series called Fosse Verdon, right? So Bob Fosse was the musical kind of muso genius behind, um, who made Sweet Charity, he made Cabaret, Chicago uh, uh, and beyond. And as the series follows, you know, him in that dynamic, but points out that actually his uh, ex-wife and then ex-wife, Gwen Verdon, was actually almost, it was like a 50-50 partnership. She has, she has just as much to uh, account for um, the success of those projects as he he does. So Bob Fosse for a long time has been revered, but actually Gwen Verdon has as much uh, involvement. And their relationship and their dynamic is fiery and passionate and so creative and in, they inspire things in each other, but also slightly destructive. And there's this whole theme in um, this series, Fosse Verdon, about their daughter kind of getting lost in the mix. It's very sad. Sam Rockwell plays Bob, Bob Fosse and Michelle, William play, Michelle Williams plays Gwen Verdon. Really great series, yeah. very interesting. But I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I've never seen Cabaret. And, and, and there's a whole episode about it and there's Liza Minnelli coming in. And, oh, and it's yeah. so iconic. And, you, you know... 
we know the music, we know the the poster, we know the the bowler hat mm. and, and Sally Bowles as a character and the style of it, yeah. And yeah, and you know, and, and it's pertinent obviously because of you know it's based on the Chris, Christopher Isherwood diaries and his time in Berlin and you know the rise of the right and you know the beginning of the persecution against the Jews. It's just like this is very important subject and and you know pulling off a musical around that is is brilliant yeah. and you know when you see montages of like you know great cinema you see scenes from cabaret yes. you know the scene of jo- joel gray who plays the mc on the stage with the you know the the women around like him. just the, the body language of that yeah. person immediately tells you that's cabaret yeah. yeah and the theatricality of it it just and it looks great cinematically yeah I, so so i was always surprised i hadn't seen it also joel gray is the father of so joel gray in cabaret very famous is the father of Jennifer Grey, who was in Dirty Dancing, which most oh. most people know, but right, okay. I, I didn't. Um, anyway, uh, so Cabaret's there, but whilst I'm talking about it, it actually made me, re- me realise that Bob Fosse's entire career and Gwen Verdon's is is quite lost on me. So I hadn't seen Sweet Charity, which they also did, but that's not as big a hitter. Um, I actually hadn't seen Chicago either, which, oh. you know... You hadn't or you I still know, I haven't? I haven't, I haven't oh, seen Chicago, Chicago sorry. Great. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm being yeah. told, but I, I don't know why, I don't know... I, 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 I I'd say it's it. one of the better musical to film adaptations. Ad- adaptations. It's really good. Okay. Uh, Richard Gere is Billy Flynn. It's just one of those charismatic. Really? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Richard Gere is great. Okay, I, I definitely want to watch that. But, but, but actually, but I said Cabaret. And a John C. Riley in Chicago, no, who's fantastic. Really? Yeah, just what? doing, what doing a doing performance. Here? Oh my oh, god. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. Okay, I do want to watch it. But actually, I say Cabaret because that's the most. Uh, well known of yeah. probably of Bob Fosse's films but the, the one I also am very very keen to see is a film he made called All That Jazz which is basically autobiographical it's based on his life it's about you know a, a talented choreographer and his life and his alcoholism and his relationships with women and yes I have seen Fosse Verdon um, Fosse Vernon Fosse Verdon Verdon oh my yep. god it's so hot today I'm losing it's my really mind it's really muggy um but all that jazz has got Roy Scheider in it, and I've always been interested in Roy Scheider because he was like he was kind of a movie star, but like he never had, you know, he was in Jaws and yeah. And, but then did he ever have and French Connection? But he never quite had like that other that other big part, right? Um, you know, and all that jazz is a very personal project. But that's a film recently where it's been pushed to me. It'd be like opening scene, all that jazz, the lineup, the the, the dancers lineup, and I've seen people go into like the Criterion closet, be like, all that jazz wonderful picture have you seen it it is so beautiful anyway so cabaret and all that jazz and chicago are big blind spots what a life. great double bill like a very obvious one but like well, cabaret and all that jazz or cabaret yeah, all, all of it triple bill whatever yeah. a little well, uh, in a weekend this, in this series which is really interesting they show how um you know the end of chicago they have that duet with verna um, Ver- What's her name? Velma Kelly. Velma Kelly. And, like sorry. Hard talk. Velma. <laughs> yeah. Hello, like, I'm in Chicago. <laughs> I've not seen that version. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the the bit with um, Velma Kelly and the, 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 the duet she does at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, it? where they shoot the, the yeah, bulbs. Right. Down, but that yeah. was originally meant to be a solo, which Gwen, um, Vernon, Verd- Gwen Verdon was going to play on her own. But because she was a bit like 40-ish when she was doing it she hadn't she didn't quite have the voice anymore to pull it off oh. so they made her do it as a duet so that she could split the split the load. oh well chicago's about like a duet being more being better than a solo act that's like the whole thing at the end is they're like competing well, they, that was spot, kind like, of yeah. written in i suppose oh right great yeah. anyway that was that love that so yeah my one was the good the bad and the ugly oh, and great. it's it's i mean yeah it's the definitive spaghetti western and if yeah. you ever wondered whether yeah. 
That is from that film. The Ennio Morricone score. And it's uh, it's about the good. And it's the like bad. Clint Eastwood, yeah. the bad. <laughs> <laughs> and the ugly. El and gato, like, el bruto, el cativo. And it's like, like the, in the film, they like turn to the camera. Yeah. And it's like a tight close up. And uh, yeah, it's... Um, 1966. 1966, but depicts the uh, scenes from the American Civil War. These men who find this treasure and what to do with it. I haven't seen it, so I wish I could take more of the plot. But it just looks amazing. When I look at uh, the trailer for that film and then scenes from it, it's when they used to shoot wide and depict yeah. these massive battle battle scenes. And you've got Clint Eastwood in this iconic silhouette yeah. with the hat, the squinty eyes, chewing the tobacco. Yeah. And I just feel like I'm missing out. I haven't seen it. And then there's the um, the, 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 the amazing standoff, which yeah. is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm oh, so sorry. My and they're all like lined up in a triangle and these shots of, you know, when the fingers are hovering over yeah. the trigger. And it's uh, it's actually similar to how Akira Kurosawa shoots with samurai swords and hands clutching mm. the blade. But he will slide across the hip of, of the cowboy and you just see the hand mm. and then the enemy in, in the background. And I, I've just missed out. I've missed out on that. I need to find mm. some afternoon or evening to, to tackle yeah. it. But you, you've seen it, right? I've seen it once. A while back. I've actually seen quite a few Sergio Leone films. Have you seen any of his films? I this is another director. Think, yeah, this might be like a huge blind spot for me. I don't so, think so. I've seen Good, Bad and the Ugly. Yeah. I've seen For a Few Dollars More. No. And I've seen Once Upon a Time in America. And I've no. seen, oh my God, and I've seen Once Upon a Time in the West, but when I was much younger. So it's your, this is your Sergio Leone blind spot then? Yeah, well, I mean, I... I That's what I'm I, saying. Like, this is one that you haven't seen. I'm yeah, oh, sorry, you have no, seen it. Sorry, sorry, you have. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've seen a lot of his films. So I have seen yeah. a lot of his films, but only once a long time ago. But they're very iconic, as you say, mm. and very visually striking. And, um, you know, for a few dollars more, technically it's the same character that uh, Clint Eastwood plays, but but then Lee Van Cleef, who plays uh, the bad, is a different character in the... It's almost like Clint Eastwood could do one thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a, you know, there's a great standoff in For a Few Dollars More, and there's a whole thing about a pocket watch, which has this chime. And um, Once Upon a Time in the West, I, I mean, I honestly probably watched that when I was like nine, way too young. But yeah. that, I remember that having a fantastic opening scene, like a proper good Western, lots of stillness, you know... <sighs> Dust ball. People at ta- in a town sweeping. Then you hear the clink, clink of boots. Mm. Men arriving. Men's with. It's got a very famous shot where like the train pulls up, and then like the train pulls away, and then you have this gang of men revealed behind the mm. train who have arrived into town. Fantastic. Once upon a time in America is also one I want to go in, uh, and rewatch because that is not a spaghetti western, mm. but it's this four-hour epic about this gang of of kids in the streets in like 1910s new york Mm. right and then it cuts forward to um like prohibition era 1930s and you've got robert de niro james woods and the uh, and these other two guys and it's violent there's two really quite nasty sexual assaults in it i have to say I, i remember seeing that being like that's not nice um and then it's but four hours long, and um, I don't know where I'm going to say because I haven't seen it in such a long time. But so iconic, d- and d- brilliant. D- I feel like films back then, when they were long, hell yeah, they deserve to be long. Yes. like they, they they were telling big stories. Like, did you ever see the Ten Commandments with Yul no. Brenner? No the, way, I haven't seen that. Oh, that's like that's like a I want to say it's three and a half to four hours, and yeah. it's you know the big epics. It's the Old Testament, and it's like huge extras on screen, yeah. like. Ramesses and Pharaohs and Moses yeah. and the, the like you'll see like hun- like thousands of slaves in the background who are extras and it's telling the story through like the desert and everything I'm like yeah but they painted these wooden sets and look at this amazing 
thing that they built. Yeah. Like you don't want you don't want to rush it. Like no. whereas like some some of the long films that come out today, I'm like, no, you yeah. you haven't earned it. If me. you're gonna go big, go big. It's got the kind of energy those big films of a dad at the end of like a massive Christmas slash Thanksgiving meal, pushing through the plates and going, well. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. Long ago. And it oh, just keeps it. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Ben Hur? No, no. I mentioned the other day. It's oh, a, no, I haven't done that. Great that's, that's like a similar from the same. Sorry, but yeah, good, Ben Ugly. Yeah. Yeah, go see it. I think you'll love it. All the only thing is, I've just remembered mm. the odd thing about Good, Bad, and the Ugly and kind of like Italian films of that era, like all the dialogue is post. It's like post synced, post post done, right? Because uh, you'll have cast members come in speaking Italian and some people come in speaking English, and then it's Fine. just like all overlaid. And that can be very, very like um Distracting. discompobulating. Yeah. I remember when I saw what uh, eight eight and a half, right? So it was the Fellini film, right? So Fellini was a big blind right, spot of mine okay. just before lockdown. I went and saw eight and a half. And in that you've got somebody speaking. The the audio is overlaid, so you know your mind is already disassociating Doesn't between the two. Well. And even though it's the same words, it doesn't match up with his lip sync. So uh, you've got someone sort of going, and you're like, it's a language I don't understand being read to me by an actor whose lips don't match up. I'm also having time to read the subtitles. You motion sick. You do. I've got a nosebleed. Brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's a big blind spot of yours. Yeah. Right, should we do one more? Let's do it. Okay. Round three, final round. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Shallow grave. Oh, I've Shallow not, Grave. I've, I've seen Shallow Grave. I haven't seen Footloose. Oh, okay, okay. But I hear about Footloose. It's, uh, it's very... Uh, iconic. It's very yeah, iconic, 80s. constantly referenced film. Exactly. Go, on, go Footloose. Well, look, that's exactly why I want to watch it. It's referenced a lot. The song's very famous. Yep. Um, there's a whole joke about it, running joke in Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Avengers. Yeah. And even Kevin Bacon's And it's reference. like a kind of silly concept, right? Yeah, right. So yeah. it's this story about, uh, um, there's like an accident uh, at the beginning which kills like the, the sheriff's or the, no, the mayor's daughter or something. And they ban dancing. It's about, about a town <laughs> that bans dancing. And like dancing is illegal, but this guy just wants to dance. He just wants to go. I, I think, I haven't seen it. Sounds charming. But look, in the context, like it, it's quite interesting because in the 80s, you had like this string of dancing films that were popular. Mm. You had um, Fame in like 1979, okay? Then you had Flashdance. Have you seen Flashdance? No. Again, you know, that's iconic. You know, that's the... Yes, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I, I... Yeah, I I went watched Flashdance recently. <laughs> Simply think, okay, look, I love the 80s. I like music. I'm all... The, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm game for this. Rough. Really rough. <laughs> Not a great film. Also, quite preposterous. Do you know the plot? Of no, Flashdance? I don't. Jennifer Beals plays a dancer right by night by night she dances which you believe because she looks like a dancer yeah she she and she dances very well in the daytime she's a steel worker <laughs> yeah all right she's, and i'm like no you're not <laughs> and they're like yeah you yeah, know she works the steel man i'm like no because like you would just not you would look so different <laughs> yeah. you would be muscular you would Don't have the body it. of a steel worker you you'd be you you'd be outdoorsy your face <laughs> would be outdoorsy your hands would be chopped to pieces you can't just her like, body you know dancing it's yeah. and like and like you're, there's this bit where she's meant to be like anonymous you know like, who's that under the mask the welder the welder mask it's just, and she lifts it up and it's like hi and i'm like are you serious it's like she's there for like work experience <laughs> it's so ridiculous i just i but no one else seems to be bothered by that but i was like come on there's no way that <laughs> she is a welder i'm not saying she could not weld no if that would but she doesn't look doesn't like a welder anyway anyway flash dance is really really um not a great film <laughs> and there's not even that much dancing in it but the, the dance that builds up to at the end is like not that oh, it, it, whatever 
Then you get Footloose, right? Which I haven't seen. About the town that can't dance, right? And that's my, that's my blind spot. Because then after that, you get Dirty Dancing, which I have seen. And we talked about a little bit about, which I, yeah. I, I like. I, I, I have time for Dirty Dancing. Also, that film, they thought Dirty Dancing wasn't going to make any money. And it made like a lot of money. Yeah. Like huge amounts of money. And then I don't know where the dancing kind of trend goes on after that. I don't know if it just petered out with like, you know, um, diminishing returns. But you have these kind of four very famous films but I haven't seen Foot, Footloose, which is one of them. Mm. And like I said, I know the song and I know everything. So I need to watch it. I need to see it as well. Have you seen um, Tarantino comment on the 80s being the worst decade of films? Really? He's like, the, the, 80s, the 80s is terrible because everybody was self-policing. It was all, Everyone had to be the hero and every character had to be likable. Mm. And he found that like the like 70s. Now. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably how he, what he thinks now. He's like, the 70s, everything was, everybody was trying different things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's like a risky era, and in the '80s, everything became very. We need to like this person. They, they need to. They need to be an asshole for the first two thirds of the film, and then they need to realize they were an asshole and change. He describes a lot of Bill Murray's films like that. Right. I think that what you've basically touched on as well is sort of the '70s, broadly typified, broadly described as the American New Wave. Lots yeah. of experimentation happening. Big era. You get lots of. Uh, you know, American experimentation, American creativity, Godfather, yes. Apocalypse Now, you know, to name just two Francis Ford Coppola films. Yeah. But, and then the 80s come along and it's like, you the, the kind of the artist, director, auteur-led American films kind of um, crash with Heaven's Gate, the Michael Cimino film. Yeah. Studios take back control. It becomes it's very corporate. And safe. Yeah, safe, corporate, sanitized. Let's also use it as a funnel to sell songs and sell music and sell fashion mm. and sell uh, toys and everything. Great economic, pro- economic uh, makes, prosperous makes a lot of sense, time, yeah. but it just obviously completely changes, like the d- rewrites the DNA of mm-hmm. what a lot of films were. Anyway, Footloose, that's mine. My one, Shallow Grave. Uh, I think it's one of Danny Boyle, I think it's, 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 it's his first, 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 film. Fe- first film, and obviously have lots of great things to say about Danny Boyle, and it just looks like a really good, fun film. Mm. It stars uh, Ewan McGregor and Christopher Eccleston, and I think someone else called... Cara, Kyra... Kara. Kerry Fox. Nearly there, almost. And it follows a group of flatmates in Edinburgh, like just similar to, you know, to train spotting vibes, but they, one of their new flatmates uh, dies and it, next to them is this huge pile of cash mm. and they all have to decide what to do with the cash mm. and the body, hence the title Shallow Grave. And it's sort of this, like, you know, they get too greedy for their own good. I haven't seen it, but, like, they get too greedy for their own good. You're describing it correctly. Yeah, and um, for someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. And uh, it just looks really good. I like Danny Boyle's style, especially, like, towards the early side of his career. Ewan McGregor, young Ewan McGregor can do no wrong for me. I'm in. I want to go and watch that. I've seen it. Yeah. And you've described How did I do? it perfect, perfectly. <laughs> yeah. um, I really like Shallow Grave. Yeah. When it begins, it does take a bit of time to get into it because the central three characters are actually quite unlikable. Yeah. Particularly Ewan McGregor's character. They're very mean, very, very spiteful. Arrogant in your face. Yeah, arrogant. So there's this whole opening sequence where they're kind of like auditioning and interviewing for that fourth flatmate, right? Yeah. And they're very mean and very spiteful. And you're like, ah, I don't think I like your company. And it's very strange. And then, yeah, Keith Allen turns up as this flatmate and he dies and he has all this money there. But the stranger the story becomes, the more you get into it and the more, as you see this, how much this pile of cash and what the prospect that holds to these three flatmates, um, you see that sort of toxify them and infiltrate their minds and their thinking. That becomes really good fun. And Christopher Eccleston, like, yeah, he, he, he has a really interesting sort of uh, arc in it. Um, there's some great scenes there's there's, a, there's some really good, funny, playful kind of... I think now we see these like classic Danny Boyle moments of like mm. a little bit of violence, but a little bit of humor and a little bit of like camera trickery that's really, that's really yeah. good. Um, 
and I there's a shot in it as well. I've just remembered that I really loved where there's this weird sort of tension between them in the flat. They're not in a relationship, any of them, but there's this sort of strange sort of like psychosexual tension between the three of them. And uh, there's a scene where they go to this dinner and they're kind of like down at heel annoyingness. It's kind of funny at this point. And they dance. And this is after they've got the money. And um, Kerry, like you McGregor, like falls on the floor. He's having so much fun. They're at, basically they're at this really rubbish public dinner. And the three of them are just enjoying it for themselves. And you're kind of on their side. And he falls on the floor. And, he, and like she stands over him and like puts her healed foot on his chest. And he's like, and like he looks up at her and the camera like looks up at her from down below. And it's just like this very striking, yeah. pseudo-sexual, powerful, dynamic moment that it's kind of indescribable, but the shot says so much about their relationship. Mm. Um, it's good fun. Shall it's I interesting you say you don't like the characters when you first meet them, but I feel like this is a, often a criticism of modern characters and modern blockbusters is that I think so. I can't remember who said this, but they like basically used Chris Pratt as an example of like, they're constantly trying to make really likable Chris Pratt-esque characters instead of making characters really interested in. I don't, yes. I don't think that's fair on Chris yeah, Pratt, yeah, but yeah. like what's the most likable, immediately fun character instead of, I don't care if you like them, like do you want to follow this person? Do yeah. you have something to so, say? And it's quite fun seeing uh, a young Ewan McGregor, almost like in his like auditioning role for Train Spotting. Oh yeah, you've got this sort of Scottish set thing. You're like, I know you're about to go into like one of the most defining films mm. of your career, and it's just about to happen. It's just over the horizon. And you know, I talked. Uh, we've talked before Can about do no wrong. Damien Giselle and like does that debut films, cracking yeah. with energy. You see that with this Danny Boyle one. Yes. Anyway, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Go see it. It also it's I like a do. ninety minute. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah right up our street. <laughs> There you go. Those were some more. There was, I mean, we've got, we, we have got more, but like, and that's will, just a, a taster. And they will continue to reveal themselves over the course of this podcast, which I hope you keep listening to. But what I, <laughs> what I, what I like about talking about our blind spots is that it does kind of rekindle a fire in me about wanting to watch. Yeah. Things. Yeah. I get itchy yeah. feet and I want to go, Ooh, we're here, talking about it with you now. Watch, yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. I and wanna... then you bring up some that I need to watch. I'm like, yes, they should be on my list. Yeah. I could yeah. go see those films. And that's why I like when people write in as well. And they say, Oh, we want to, you know, I've seen this film. Have you guys seen it? And I haven't, I'm like, oh, another one yes. to add to the list. Speaking of which, please write in with your blind spots. I know we said it before, please let us know yeah. what are some of the great films you haven't seen. Don't yeah. no shame here. <laughs> was anything, was anything like, not worth the wait. Did or you, do you have anything you were like holding out for ages and you watched and you were like, yes. No. Oh yes. And, and then if you say, oh, well you, now you've mentioned Akira Kurosawa, you should also think yes. about this and make chances are we haven't seen it. So by all means, yeah. send those into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Let us know. Right, George, should we go through some of the emails that we got this week? Let's do it. If you wanted to write into the show, you can do just like Finn did. He wrote into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Finn writes into the show and says, Hello, Pop Kitchen. Hey. Finn here, writing from Hull, or as I'd call it, all. <laughs> Since discovering a clip of you two playing Castless Countdown on TikTok, I've been quickly catching up on all of your episodes and have loved every one of them. Oh, Finn. thank you, Finn. Thank you. Shout out to the TikTok. Uh, my question is about cinema experiences. A few months ago, celebrating its 50th anniversary, The Godfather was re-released in cinemas. Uh, just a little shout out. Me and George did a, a rewatch of The Godfather yes. celebrating its 50th anniversary. By all means, go and check that out. When this was happening, I'd never seen any of those films and I thought that I was watching it for the first time. I thought that watching that's it for the first time- That's a big movie blind spot for him. A great right? movie blind spot. Uh, I thought that watching it for the first time in a cinema would be incredible. However, just before the film started, they showed the name of the film and the age rating. 
but something was off about it. It read The Godfather Part 2. No. When we questioned staff about it, they said they don't have the file for the first one. And even after I told them I'd never seen the first one, they told me to just watch Part 2. <laughs> that is like a lazy student oh just going to do Part yeah. 2. Obviously, I hadn't. I didn't. And since then, I've watched the first Godfather movie. My question is, have you ever had a truly terrible experience in a cinema, whether it was because of people talking, as I think you mentioned in the latest uh, Thor movie, oh, yeah. or the wrong movie playing? Sorry if this email is a bit long. I just had to tell you this little anecdote. Can't wait to listen to the next episode and keep up the awesome work. Finn, thank you. Thank you, Finn. You know, I actually have a story fairly similar to this, oh, yeah. but slightly different. So I want to say it was 2006, 2007, okay. and it was a friend's birthday party, and he had his, his parents had hired out like a small cinema, not like a big one. You know, you could get like a small cinema screening for like a birthday yeah. party. And we were all really excited to go and see the new Stormbreaker film. Oh, yes. With Ewan McGregor is in it. Is he? He's, he's the uncle. Oh, so Stormbreaker is, uh, is a book by Anthony Horowitz, which is a book series, a book series which is really popular when, when you and I would have been kids. And it's currently a TV show. They made it into TV They show. did. I think like 2020. They, no, still, they made two seasons. It's on IMDb TV. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. Not promising. Anyway, anyway, like Alex Ryder and the Stormbreaker books, he was like a teen spy, he's fourteen years old. Anyway, like we had all read the books and we're so excited to mm. go and see Stormbreaker, starring like Alex Pettifer yeah. and Mickey Rourke's in that. Film, I know, I know. Which is pre-wrestler Mickey Rourke. Anyway, I remember like classic, you know, 2006 birthday party. We go to Pizza Hut before. Love it. Everyone's talking about what they're going to do in the yeah. Stormbreaker book. And we've all seen the trailer. I don't think the film's, I think the film's not very good at all. But yeah. anyway, we get to the cinema and they don't have the movie. What? And, and like they, the, the mums are like, what do you mean? Like we asked, we wanted to see Stormbreaker. Like we had the thing. And they were like, the only other film we have that's age appropriate is Johnny English from oh. 2003. Don't get me wrong. I love Johnny English yeah. just as much as anybody else. But that by that point, that film was like three or four years old. And everyone had seen it. And done everyone it, yeah. had seen it. So we were just really like blue balled. Oh. And then like Johnny English started and I'm like, oh, and it's somewhat similar in theme. Like yeah, spy yeah. Thing. But it was just like, oh, this is like, you know, you've been speaking for two hours about how excited you are to yeah. see Stormbreaker. And you tell your friends at school, like, I'm going to see Stormbreaker oh. this weekend. And then you didn't see Stormbreaker. Oh, I'm sorry, James. Stormbreaker wasn't very good. No, but, but Johnny um, English, you know, oh. That, that, the first Johnny English is uh, uh, is brilliant. I have a song, yeah, I'll always have a place for that because I, a bit like you probably watched that a lot when I was a kid. Yes. Always at sleepovers. Had it on VHS. The, yeah, that came out. And there are still times now when it gets referenced by people <laughs> yeah. of our age. And I'm always like, yes, Johnny English. Like we were talking, it was in like a WhatsApp group. And a friend of mine was like, yes, he's a man with two scars on the side of his face. The shape of banana. And it's kind of his, the assailant. He ran in here. <laughs> The number of times I uh, I go to my girlfriend when she says something really stupid, I'm going, we're going to take you back home now, Gunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boff, boff, yeah. yeah boff. And there's the- um, Stop it, boff. <laughs> I, there was like, you know, this is like classic uni speak, but there was a guy at uni, I remember, instead of saying something was savage, he would go, that is absolutely Pascal Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is John Malkovich's character. Yeah. And I was like, I like that. I can't believe it. I've done this. <laughs> I cannot believe they made two sequels to that. I know. Which I will never watch. Do you or do you not have a tattoo on your bottom that says, Jesus is coming, look busy. Play it. Play the tape off. Play it. That is, that is so that. funny. When the, when the whole of the nation yeah. just sees it. It looks like he's put on this video of him. 
Oh, oh man, I haven't, I haven't thought about that for a long time. I've got to go rewatch that. Johnny That's English, uh, when, when he goes into the Rod building and he's holding up all the darkness uh, and Boff is like, do you want to come back over here when you're ready, sir? And he just goes, well, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. Rowan Atkinson. You have, what a, Rowan Atkinson. What a talent. He did a film recently on Netflix called no, The Bee. A series. A series. Man versus Bee. Man it like a film, but it was a series, yeah. And I'm always like... I will very happily give anything Rowan Atkinson touches a chance, but yeah. I've not heard if Man vs. B. It looks like the kind of concept I would have expected to be a film, right? But yes. It, but it's a series. Um, anyway, yeah, Johnny English, I love that. Um, do you have, a, do you have, a, have a, 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 an example? Well, look, just to answer uh, Finn's point there, like, mm. that's so lazy, that cinema. Yeah, like, good on you for not just going, okay, I'll watch Godfather Part 2. And, and then also to, like, you've paid money. To, yeah. Surely you didn't get the incorrect film. Like we uh, haven't yeah, got the file. Like the computer says no. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, but great that you've gone and seen it now. I hope you hope you enjoyed the Godfather. Um, I don't think I've got a very terrible cinema experience. I've had like you know people talking things like that. I, when I saw Mother, 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 Mother. Yeah. Oh, I saw that with a group of friends, and there was a, a woman behind us who was talking the entire time, reacting the entire time, and we would have. No, no, you know when you're like, if you're oh, with so more people- There's a lot people, to react to in that film as well. Yeah, Sorry. none of us really turned around and said anything. And after a while, it became quite entertaining because like she was clearly in the wrong film. I think I think mm. her boyfriend had gone, it's my night Jennifer to choose Lawrence. a movie. Look, Jennifer Lawrence is in this. You might like this. It's it's kind of a horror looking film. Might be good for me. But obviously Mother famously could not be understood by, you know, you couldn't tell what kind of film it is until you saw it, right? Yeah. And like throughout the film, she was like, oh my God. Oh my god! I don't understand this. What is going on? What's going? On? This is mental. This film, is which mental. is exactly what's going on in your head, but you're just not vocalizing yeah, it. Yeah, vocalizing it loud. Yeah. I mean, there's a bit where, like, like there's a close-up of Jennifer Lawrence's face. She was like, "She's so pretty." And then Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem, yeah. turns around and she goes, "Oh, he's so ugly." No. I'm like, <laughs> no. "You are wrong about Javier Bardem. Uh, you could come to my wife. We will, will drink wine. We will um, nonsense." And and that that was kind of entertaining. Um, I saw um. Cinema wants to see Glass with okay. a friend of mine, and we were talking. In, this is a like an actual like debate point. Yeah, we were talking during the trailers, and we got shushed. No, you're allowed to. to, to, to yeah, so we were just chatting. You know, it's a social event. I haven't yeah. seen a friend catching up, and they were like, "Excuse me, excuse me, could you stop talking, no. please?" First of all, they were sat in our seats. And we had to sit somewhere oh, else. Yeah, and then, and we were like, "It's the trailers." It's the it, this is allowed as long as you don't talk during the film. Be it's wary fine. of people talking loudly in the trailers, but when when they when they're quiet when the film yeah. starts, I've got no quarrel. You get the talking done then. Get also, it out. Most films are on the internet. Yeah, you, you moron. Anyway, no, I agree with you. There you go. This next one is from Matthew, who writes, "Hi guys, Matt here from Manchester. Love the podcast. I've been catching up on the episodes on YouTube. Yay. I don't think I've ever seen you talk about this, but Star Wars famously has the machete order, which people say is the best way to watch the series, even though it's not the release order. I was wondering if there was another series of films where you think there is a better order to watch other than the order they were released. Thanks, Matt. I'm right. aware of this machete order. Yes, I wasn't, and then I saw this email come in, and I had to go and look at it. Do you want to explain it? So the machete order is only using the uh, five films as far as i'm aware but i'm sure you can add to it it you, well, you, uh, it depends how you no, want to count okay just a bit because I, I i had to go up and look up about yeah it, right? okay and the argument is this like if you watch you've got nine star wars films now mm -hmm. right across the main uh, main series if you watch them in release order which is what i tend to tell people to do tell people to, let's say you're setting up set up with a new person and we're going to talk spoilers here so if you haven't seen star wars why yeah, you this is <laughs> um I'm sure you don't care. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you, use, you go to show it to somebody, you say, oh, I'm going to go show it to you in release order. Mm -hmm. You've got the origin, original trilogy, great. But then their argument is the whole first three films of the prequels 
with Anakin Skywalker. There's no tension there because you know he becomes Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, and you're just stuck with this sulky team, and it's just like, okay. Um, and the first film you could remove entirely, and the whole thing right. still makes sense. Exactly. Um, then there is like episode order, mm-hmm. right? Which they say also doesn't really work because when you get to the reveal in Empire Strikes Back that Darth Vader is Luke's father, that's already yes. revealed. You know that because of the prequels and stuff. So the machete order builds like a whole new way of doing it, which, correct me if I'm wrong, James, mm-hmm. completely <laughs> removes Phantom Menace. Yeah, It's like, Phantom Menace, yeah, it has its cool moments, but it's completely extraneous to the narr- narrative. It has no bearing on it. So the running you order- You could take it or leave it and you still have the right. same understanding of the character. The running of the machete order goes like this. New Hope- because that is the best introduction to Star what Wars. Star Wars is in the universe is. Totally. And to the character of Luke and to yeah. the idea. And like uh, Ben Kenobi introducing the Force, perfect. Luke, so you got A New Hope. Then you have Empire Strikes Back, yeah. which ends with Luke, I am your father. <gasps> and then you stop. Then you stop. You go to episode two, Attack of the Clones. It's like Learn a flashback. Who Anakin, who Anakin Skywalker is. was. Then you go to episode three, his turn to the dark side, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Then you go back to Return of the Jedi, finish yeah. that bit. And then you do the, the last. Yeah. Three. And it makes the Return of the Jedi apparently have more weight because you've just gone back and, and the pathos yeah. of, and reveal of who Darth Vader is in the end kind of works more. Sure. If you were writing a TV series, that's the, the order the episodes would kind of follow, wouldn't it? Yeah, you, you would have your have little double episode spin-off. You'd have the reveal like halfway through the season. Like, yeah. <gasps> cut away and come back again. You end your season at the Iron My Father and then mm. everyone's expecting you to come back. You go, actually, we're going to take an entire season out and then we're yes. going to come back in season yeah, yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. So... That's the machete order. Um, but your, his question, Matt's question was about, mm. are, there, are there any other series? I can't really think of because no other series like, I mean, I'm usually, not going to, does it, the Fast and Furious series, you're going to reorder that? It's like, usually when I think of the great franchise or the great, the many top franchises of cinema, I'm usually one to go, just don't watch those. Right. Like Terminator, I don't have an order. I'm like, just don't watch some of those. What do you mean? Alien. You mean, you mean don't watch them in the wrong order? No, I, I'm not like, here's the order. I'm like, you should actually just not watch some of these. I, instead of telling you what order to watch them, I'm like, just skip most of them. I'm like, oh, watch Terminator right. 1 and Terminator right, sorry, 2, and then probably... So you're like, you, you, it's more like you specify which films... Yeah, I'm, of- I'm rarely, apart from Star Wars, telling you about an order. So like Terminator, I'm just telling you some films to not watch. Alien, I'm saying just don't watch. Terminator, two. first two. First Alien, two. Alien, first two. two. Prometheus Maybe at a stretch. Out. No, 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 no. Alien three at a stretch. Fine, yeah. Because at least narratively that closes things. But just like, but the first two aliens, first two Terminators, Die Hard one, Die Hard three, as we've discussed. I think you can watch. I think Die Hard two is good. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think. I think. I think three is better than two. Two. But yeah. you could get there and enjoy it. But yeah. definitely no one, two more. Two and three are up here, and the rest are down there. Never, never yeah. after three. No. Uh, God. Like, where, where else do you do you go? Planet of the Apes. Yeah, you just. But there's just those are just reboots, not part of the same series. That's the thing. Like most of the things I can think of, I'm like just skip some of these. Yeah. Thank you though for the question. This one is from Dan, who writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, and he says, "Hi guys, I really like your podcast, and it's nice to see that real movie geeks still exist. Oh, Love that. Thank you. I would like your opinion on Layer Cake. I personally think it's an underrated movie. Besides that, I think it was the first James Bond glimpse we got from Daniel Craig. Let me know and." Keep supporting the film lovers. Until next episode, Dan from The Hague. And then it has the Stud van Af Milne iPhone, which I now know probably is Dutch for <laughs> said from, from my, my iPhone. iPhone. Wow, got a, that's our first listener from the Netherlands, I believe. Yeah, from The Hague. Um, well, I haven't seen Layer Cake, but I've heard it recommended to me a million times, and it's Craig's audition. That is another one of those films that I have seen, 
way too young mm. and also have clips of it pushed to me on YouTube. Um, I did remember, you know that Daniel Craig did this film before Bond? Well, do you know what it is? I mean, I know I saw it young, but I'd already seen Snatch and Lockstock. And oh, I was yeah. like, really like those. And it was marketed as being of that ilk, even mm. though Matthew Vaughan was a separate director. And I had that clip they kept playing of Michael Gambon being like, welcome to the layer cake, son. Just they kept saying that layer cake. Um, and I remember it being quite violent and uh, like quite sexual as well. And I was a kid, I was like, oh my goodness. A young Ben, ben Wishel's in it. Oh, really? Sienna Miller. Um, yeah, I remember bits with Daniel Craig. Yeah, I like I, I, I like pre-Bond Daniel Craig in a yeah. way, some of his stuff. Uh, Enduring Love. Some loads um, of stuff. Road to Perdition. Um, yeah, Road to Perdition's good. What's film. he doing next apart from Knives Out? You'll have to ask him. Yeah, I will sure. do. He's coming on next week, so stay tuned for but that. But I would be happy to rewatch that. Yeah. That's all the correspondence we had this week. Thank you so much for sending them in. If you wanted to send us a question, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We will do our best to read them out. Sometimes we don't yes. get to you a couple of weeks later or we've recorded by the time the episode comes out. Thank you very much. So as always, James, let's end with a game. Let's do another round of cast list countdown. Let's as you it. know, guess the film based on the cast list. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, James, guess the film based on the cast list. Ready? In three, two, one. Michael Douglas. Uh, the, 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 uh, the Jewel of the Nile. Ewan McGregor. Uh, not train spotting. Not... Okay, all right. Michael Fassbender. Um, Bill Paxton. This is very confusing. Antonio Banderas. It's a good cast. Oh, like Puss in Boots. Is it animated? No. Channing Tatum. Did I already say that? Channing, Channing Tatum. You got one more. Bill Paxton. Okay, go on. Gina Carano. Who's that? Okay, let's <laughs> once more. It's not G.I. Joe? No. It's not. You know, you get in there. Shall I read it through for you one yeah, more time? Yeah, one more time. This cast list again. Bill Paxton, Michael Douglas, Ewan McGregor, Antonio Banderas, Michael Fassbender, Channing Tatum, and Gina Carano. I don't have it. Gina Carano is in The Mandalorian as the, the woman that not, who helps Mando yes. with the big okay. gun. Yes. Right. That is a film. Great cast. Do you agree? Yeah, great, great cast. cast. Would... That is a 2011 Steven Soderbergh film called Haywire. Oh, Have you yes. seen it? No, but I know, I know yeah. the poster of this film. Yeah. Yes. yes. I've seen it. It's okay. It's like, there's that other one that um, was, was it Matt Fassbender, Javier Bardem? Oh, oh, there's another. There's no, a, save it for another save time. It. Save there's, it. There's I know another exactly film, the film you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. I didn't get it, but there no, you, you didn't go. Get it. So that film was Haywire, Stephen Soderbergh. Haywire. Have you it, seen Haywire? I have seen it. Um, I watched it on New Year's Day 2016, hungover. <laughs> and I, like I said, I got to the end, I was like, that was fine. I wouldn't have watched it. A film. it. Basically, it's a trashy B movie that happens to have loads of famous people in it. Did it come out in 2015? No, it came out in 2011, but I watched it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because that, like, that's quite late for Fassbender. I don't know. I just feel like he was doing different 2011, stuff. 2011, like, he's on the rise. He's been in Inglorious Bastards. Yes. He's got Shame coming out that year. Right, yeah. But uh, yeah, mad. God, there you go. What a cast. Michael Douglas. I like, I like all those people, just to run that through. Yeah. Like, I like... I like Michael Douglas. Yeah. Very good and everything. I really like his... He, he can do funny. He can do straight. I like that. Hugh McGregor, good and everything. We talked about. Yeah. Jane yeah. Tatum, always have time for uh, Yeah, good screen he's, presence. He's way more versatile than anyone gives him credit yes. for. I like it when he's funny. Me too. I like it when he's Me funny. Too. Fast My name is Jeff. 
Fassbender, we know. It's great. So good. Can't wait for him to come back. Yeah. Uh, uh, Antonio Banderas. Great. Love Antonio Banderas. Uh, do you know when he went and did like a year doing a sculpture degree? Like um, the No, but L- I love LCA. that he did that. That is Fantastic. so Antonio Banderas. And um, Bill Paxton, much, much beloved, much missed. Um, mm. Bill Paxton, always good in everything. So, um, yeah. Antonio Banderas was in the recent Uncharted film and it was so forgettable. And you have to take a second to be like, that's Antonio Banderas. Yeah, that should film. be bigger. It should be more of a thing that he's like, not, not back, he's not gone anywhere, but I'm like, he's the villain in this film. Yes. And it just like really just sle- sle- sleeps through that. Shame. But anyway, that was the film. James, do you want to do it? Should we take us home? Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Pulp Kitchen. Don't forget that we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And as ever, guys, look out for us on TikTok. Look out for us on Instagram. Enjoy all the other bits of content we're putting out there. And don't forget, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Mm-hmm. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a star. Whatever you can to support us, we would love it. Thank you so much. And keep sending your emails in. James, have I forgotten anything? Uh, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Yeah, bye.